0: The Powers on Sports podcast is brought to you by Titan Home Lending, Print and Marketing Solutions, and Star Alvarado. Enjoy the podcast.
1: Larry Bird's not walking through that door.
0: We're talking about
1: practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice.
0: It's my team.
1: It's my quarterback. A kick. It is.
0: Goal, goal, goal. To be the man, you gotta beat the man.
1: but two-one
0: swung
1: right Here the
0: This is the Powers on Sports podcast. Welcome in Powers on Sports Podcast. It is Memorial Day weekend. Hope everybody had a good holiday weekend uh, celebrating Memorial Day and uh, first and foremost want to give a shout out to all the uh, families and veterans out there for all the service. I have uh, two veterans in my family with my dad and my stepfather so thanks everybody out there for your service and Uh, Remember to, uh, again, hopefully everybody uh, made it through the weekend okay, safe, and sound. Uh, We are finally into the NBA Finals. Stanley Cup Finals will also start later this week as well. We have, uh, obviously, we have Denver and Miami. And in the hockey, we have Las Vegas and Florida the heat get through the Celtics in a dramatic seven game series. finally that we get to a game seven where the heat really put it to the Boston Celtics in a impressive performance and more so the lackluster performance of the Boston Celtics in such a pressurized moment when the Celtics had come back from the brink to the brink, uh, forcing a game seven down 03 in their building, but the Heat uh, with a very, very impressive performance, winning three games in Boston to advance to the NBA Finals. Didn't realize this is Eric Spoelstra's sixth trip to the Finals as the head coach of the Miami Heat. He will uh, definitely be a Hall of Fame coach with that type of uh, resume, so shout out to him. Um, NBA Finals start on Thursday night in Denver. Uh, our guest this week, we are going to have our guest is going to be Bob Rathbun. Say, Bob Rathbun is the play-by-play voice of the Atlanta Hawks, longtime play play-by-play voice in the Southeast. He's uh, been with the Hawks since 1996. Uh, he covers, uh, you know, he, he's been he's he's covered college football, covered Major League Baseball. Been a major uh, force in the NBA for a long, long time, doing play-by-play for Net for He works for Bally Sports South now, Uh, but he's been again. He's been with the Hawks for going on 27 years as their play-by-play voice. We're going to talk to Bob about the NBA Finals, previewing that as well as we're going to talk about Bob's career. Bob's got a very interesting career path. how he got into the, got into sports and, you know, growing up where he grew up and you hear some interesting stories. He'll tell a great story about he and Lee Corso calling the first ever arena bowl for the arena football league, uh, working with ESPN. So, uh, Bob Rathbun's a, uh, be a great listen for you guys. And again, we're going to break down, uh, Again, he's got a book. He's got a book that he's that he's published as well. So I'm gonna have a good spot with Bob Rathbun. Uh, as far as the NBA goes, I I'm gonna take Denver. I'm gonna take Denver and five. I think Denver's just the better team here. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of wear and tear on the Heat through the seven game series, both emotionally uh, and physically. I do like the Denver, and you'll. Uh, in five games to win their first ever world championship in Denver. In the NHL, you got Vegas and Florida. Remember, Florida has been off now for a for uh, well over a week. Vegas finished off the Dallas Stars in six games with 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 a six nothing thrashing on Memorial Day night. So uh, Vegas and Florida home home ice is in Ve- for is for Vegas. Remember, Florida's the eight seed in the East. We um, got two eight seeds with the Heat and and in, in the Florida Panthers. So a little bit of irony there, but I'm going to take Las Vegas in. I'm going to take Vegas in seven games. Give me Vegas to win their first uh, title out uh, with the Golden Knights. I'll take Vegas to win the Stanley Cup in seven games. Um, so there's your kind of your notes and nuggets. Baseball regionals, college baseball regionals start uh, this weekend, Friday, all over the country. 16 host sites, four teams at each site. It's a double elimination tournament, so uh, you got eight teams from the SEC that'll be hosting. Interesting. Uh, one of the interesting things in Lexington, Kentucky, the one of the host sites, University of Kentucky, they're having to put teams in the dorms potentially or in hotels like an hour away due to. Uh, there's a big, couple big uh, the huge huge music festival in Lexington and there's the hotel space is null and void one interesting thing about regionals in college baseball you the uh, Selection committee doesn't really know these Regional sites until you know late in the process not like they know that they, they don't pick the sites based the neutral sites. These are not neutral sites. These are home sites for these teams so Little bit of bad luck for those teams that are going to Lexington that, that are going to have to make a decision to travel, whether they want a hotel and bus an hour or so to Lexington, or whether they want to stay on campus at the University of Kentucky in their dorm. So we will be to see how that dynamic plays out at the Lexington Regional, but the overall number one seed is Wake Forest. Florida Gators are number two down here in my neck of the woods. So, um, but again, there'll be 16 host sites this weekend, and then next weekend there'll be eight super regional uh, two, two-team showdowns next weekend uh, as well to, to lead to Omaha. So College Women's World Series is this weekend starting in Oklahoma City. So those eight teams from around the country will be in Oklahoma City for the Women's Softball National Championship Tournament. So NFL, kind of a slow time in the NFL right now. Couple news and notes. OTAs are going on for most teams. You had DeAndre Hopkins cut last week. Be interesting to see where he lands. Most likely, he'll land with a with a contender, a Kansas City, a Buffalo, uh, somebody like that. Potentially Cleveland. Um, we'll see where he ends up uh, after his tenure in Arizona has ended. Uh, he's probably the biggest name free agent out there still. Uh, interesting nugget out of Las Vegas. Obviously, if you didn't see, Tom Brady bought a bought a uh, minority interest in the Las Vegas Raiders. Interesting that Jimmy Garoppolo. It was reported last week has had, had foot surgery and is going to be out until at least training camp, potentially longer. And that there is a waiver in his contract where the Raiders could potentially get out of the contract due to the foot injury. So the thought is, or the speculation is, or the dream is, would Tom Brady potentially come out of retirement and quarterback the Las Vegas Raiders? Um, I don't expect that to happen, but it is something to keep a, keep an eye on as we move through the summer here, uh, especially if you start to hear some reports of him working out, and things like that. That could be something that could uh, potentially happen. He would then have to vest... Uh, you know, obviously, get rid of his stake in the in the franchise. You couldn't be a, an owner and a player, so he would have to uh, divest his 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 stake in the Raiders. Uh, to do that, I don't think he's going to do that, but you never never know. So uh, that's kind of the NFL news. will be, I think, the NFL has a couple more weeks of minicamps. Uh, I mean OTAs, and I think most teams will have a mandatory minicamp here in June and then the, that they'll be quiet until the end of July when training camp will start late, late July as we ramp up to the regular season. College football, not much news going on there. Uh, the SEC trying to determine if they're going to play a nine game conference schedule or an eight game schedule. Uh, so they'll maybe they'll, there might be some news on that in the next coming week or so. But as far as uh, national college football news, not a lot going on. So, uh, but again, Bob Rathbun will be coming up play by play voice at Atlanta Hawks, previewing NBA Finals, also talking uh, his career, his book, all that kind of good stuff, and just some good stuff talking sports media. So, enjoy Bob Rathbun. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes with Mr. Bob Rathbun. Enjoy the podcast. Remember, you can find us on Twitter at JPO Sports uh all your podcast platforms tell a friend about us um google apple spotify all the all the platforms and also my youtube channel jason power sports channel you can check out the video interview as well with myself and bob rathbun so enjoy the podcast have a great week and we'll see you in just a minute with bob rathbun and now a word from titan home lending are you in the market to purchase your first time home relocate to the state of florida or just purchase that second home or investment property? Well, if so, Titan Home Lending can help you get financing for that new home purchase. Reach out to Jason Powers, 205-790-1404 and I can help you get pre-approved in less than one day. A pre-approval is critical in order to make that offer on your home. You wanna know how much of a home you can make an offer on and getting a pre-approval will allow you to do that. From an fha va conventional loan jumbo loan bank statement loans there are numerous loan options out there to help you get into your house of your dreams you can also renovate you can do a renovation loan which will allow you to make home improvements and finance the costs into the loan so reach out to titan home lending anywhere in the state of florida for your next home purchase 205-790-1404. Now a word from our partners at Print and Marketing Solutions as well as Star Alvarado, our realtor here on the podcast. If you have any buying and selling needs anywhere in the Bay Area, reach out to Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. She can help you on the selling side or the buying side of any real estate transaction here in the Tampa Bay Area. From St. Pete, to Tampa, to Wesley Chapel, and anywhere in between. Reach out to Star Alvarado, 813 538 9572. And print and marketing solutions, my guy Todd Tedesco, 813 498 2887. Todd's located on the corner of Lineball Ball and Gun Highway over in Carrollwood. Todd can help you with all of your print and supply needs corporate events, golf tournaments, signs and banners, marketing pieces, color copies anything in between Todd is your print and marketing specialist again print and marketing s- specialists Todd Tedesco 813-498-2887 all right appreciate you finding us on the powers on sports podcast really uh, hope everybody had a is having a great memorial day weekend And uh, we are going to talk to a legendary voice in the National Basketball Association. Uh, Bob Rathman has been covering the Atlanta Hawks since 1996. He's been the voice of the Hawks for, uh, what, year 28, going into year 28. Bob's also got a storied uh, career covering Major League Baseball. He's done some work with the Braves and the Tigers over the years, covered the SEC, the ACC. Just a well-versed figure in the world of sports media, and we are very pleased to have Mr. Bob Rathman join the podcast. Appreciate you doing this, Bob. Jason, it's my pleasure. Good morning to you. Hope you're having a great Memorial Day weekend. For those of you out there, we are recording this Memorial Day weekend, and, Bob, we saw a finish for the ages on Saturday night in Miami. The Boston Celtics have taking this series from where we down three games to none, and they are on the brink of making some NBA history here, forcing a Game 7 Memorial Day night in Boston. Pretty incredible finish. Uh,
1: if you had a chance to see it or listen to it, uh, it looked like the Celtics were dead in the water, and then all of a sudden, uh, out of nowhere it seemed, Derek White came, came in and tipped that missed shot in at the buzzer. And the Celtics uh, sent it to a game seven, but it's very interesting uh, how the national narrative really forms people's opinions rather than just watching the game for yourself and, and figuring out your own perspective, you know, <laughs> excuse me, you can edit that out. <laughs> um, it's interesting to me, Jason, that, the, the feeling on Sunday morning was, well, Miami's dead. Uh, Boston's going to win game seven by 50, the way they survived, blah, blah, blah. Right. And I am here to tell you, after being in this league for 30 years, the players don't think that way. Right. They just don't. If they did, they wouldn't be the NBA players that they are. You don't think these guys have ever lost a heartbreaker at the buzzer in their lives. Do you think they've, Th- that's the extent of their competitive uh, nature oh well we're going back to boston we don't have a chance no i'm here to tell you this is my prediction i don't know who's going to win but i think it's going to be just like game 6 i think it's going to go right down to the wire unless somebody has just a god awful shooting night that we don't anticipate right uh, i i just you got you got a chance to go to the nba finals you know, this may never happen again in your life. You don't know. Uh, I, I think it's going to be great. It is fantastic basketball theater. That
0: I do know. And if you don't know, folks, nobody in the NBA has ever come back from down 03. I can make the argument all the pressure's back on Boston now. They've got game seven in their building. If they don't climb the mountain, it's, I won't say it's not for waste, but to me, all the pressure's back on Boston. You've gotten to this point. The game's in your building. They've struggled in their building in this postseason. Um, you're Hawks. You played these guys in round uh, round one, correct? So yep. you know this Boston team. To me, all the pressure's back on Boston now.
1: I, I think it's, yes, because they're expected to win. But I think there's a, a yeah. lot on Miami, too. I mean, right. it, you know, if I'm Eric Spolstra, no matter what the score is at halftime, I say to those guys, listen. If we lose this game and lose this series, this is going to be on you for the rest of your life. If that isn't pressure, if that isn't <laughs> motivation, true. I don't know what is. <laughs> uh well, one quick footnote and I I'm sorry I don't I don't have it right here in front of me, but there was one uh playoff series in the NBA back in, I want to say the fifties where a team was down. 3, came back tied at three, three and had the lead with a minute. This is one of those like Syracuse Rochester. They're right. Uh, and they, they lost the game in like the last minute. So it's not like, you know, the history of basketball uh, that somebody hasn't been right there to do right but it is unusual you just figure that uh with so many chances four games uh and the teams are not talent wise they're not equal but generally speaking in the nba the talent's pretty pretty even and you'd think that somebody would pull it out uh over the over the years but it's never been done and that's going to be the whole storyline going into monday
0: all right, so let's 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 move forward a few days. Obviously, the NBA finals will start later in the week here. Denver's waiting for either, the winner of either Miami or Boston. Give me your sense. You you've been around, like obviously the Eastern teams more than Denver, but just give me a sense. Everybody's everybody thinks Denver's finally gotten over the hump now with beating the Lakers the way they did in the in the in the history. They've had a lot of time off. How do you see whoever wins out of the, coming out of the East, faring against the Denver Nuggets?
1: Well, it you know, the interesting part about this is if Boston wins game seven, the series opens in Boston. If Miami wins, they open in Denver. And I think right. that's huge I do too. Uh, because Denver has been a tremendous team at home. They haven't lost a home playoff game. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Uh, and the, the, it's hard to beat those dudes at altitude. I'm telling you, uh, even though the players are superbly conditioned, uh, they, it does take a while to get used to that. And I think that's a huge advantage for Denver, as it is for Utah back in the day when they were really good. Uh, it's just hard to play those guys up in the mountains. That said, I do think Denver is uh, as overlooked and undersold as any team we've had in a long, long time. Uh, the the na- Again, we get back to the national media and the way they form opinions for the fans. Uh, this is... Uh, I think you could say Denver's the best team in our league. Now I know Boston's got a better record and they, but again, you're, you're dealing with, you know, the two coasts uh, that dominate the media. Uh, And of course the Boston media is uh, they're the biggest cheerleaders the Celtics have ever had, never will have. So you're, you're getting this from not a basketball perspective, but from a cheerleader perspective, they want to win so they can wave their pom-poms and look down their nose at you and, you know, we're better than you. We're smarter than you. We invented basketball. You didn't. So if you can stomach that for the next couple of weeks, I think we'll see a very good series between uh, we'll take Boston and and, uh, Miami uh, and uh, Denver first. The Celtics weaponry uh, is pretty significant. You know, this is when they're a one trick pony, but when they're hitting their threes, uh, they are very hard to defeat. However, I think Denver is a little undersold because uh, this Jokic has been uh, just a miracle man. Uh, Jamal Murray is back healthy again. Very balanced, very they balanced are, scoring. They are, and they they get just enough from everybody else. You know, Gordon is going to be a good defensive matchup for Brown and Porter is a tough and, matchup. Yep, exactly. So I I think that that series could really be intriguing if they play Miami. I unless unless I miss something, (laughs) I just think Denver will crush them because Miami is going to be gassed. Right. I mean, to have to go seven and win in Boston and then turn right around and fly to Denver for game one on the first of June is a little too much to ask for any team, Uh, much less one that is down personnel like miami is right uh, with their injury no oladipo no hero and yeah they've kind of gotten used to playing with them but you can see how they struggle uh when when things aren't going their way with butler i mean jimmy last night my goodness uh coming down the stretch in the fourth quarter it was amazing uh what was he five for 21 at one point yeah, right you know i mean struggle city so i think denver would have its way with with uh miami not so with boston
0: Talk about the evolution of the NBA game the last 10 years or so and kind of the Steph Curry era. You know, Denver's kind of more your traditional low-post team. They moved the ball, now just relying on the three. Just talk about the how you've seen the NBA change over the last – so many more teams are just so reliant on the three-point shot, and that's become so, so many more possessions. I mean, the, the thought of games getting to 125, 130 on a consistent basis 15 years ago was unheard of. And from a broadcasting perspective, less time to fill. There's just so much up and down. Just talk about how that, from your perspective, how that's changed so much in the NBA. Yeah. We've seen quite a change when you go back to,
1: you know, say the eighties when physical play was uh, the number one concern, you know, you had to make a business decision when you drove down the lane. Yeah. Uh, Were you going to get killed or not? And that sort of gave way as they changed, took hand-checking out and and tweaked the rules of the game to allow the offense to really play some beautiful basketball. We saw it with San Antonio. Uh, they were sort of the creators of this uh, spread the floor, move the ball, uh, shoot threes, et cetera. And then, of course, you've got the advent of Steph Curry that you mentioned, and that completely changed the way teams look at the game, play the game. Scout it. Yeah, scouting the game, the value of the three-point shot has been overwhelming to the point where I must say, I think it's going to overboard. I, I think the fact that you can't touch anybody, yeah. uh, that everybody's going to shoot 53s a night, it, it reminded me of the where the designated hitter came to baseball. You know, it's just too much. Uh, there's no, we've lost the balance in the game. Uh, nobody is taking twos uh, to speak of, you know, a long two, and they they look down at you if you take a long two. Like, if the ball goes in, what difference does it make? But um, I I just think that it's – you'll see, and the competition committee has already met this spring, and they will meet again this summer, uh, to look and see what can we allow so we can still have the offense that the fans love, but how can we give the defense a bit of a chance – uh to rein these guys in just a little bit to to recap, you know, the have the pendulum swing back a little bit so you got that balance between offense and defense.
0: All right, one more current basketball question and then we'll move on to we'll get a little bit into Bob's career and his he's uh done many, many things outside of broadcasting that we don't I want to get into as well. Talk about the Hawks a little bit, obviously the team you cover. Um a lot of speculation and chatter. There might be some changes this this offseason in Atlanta. Trey Young, potentially, uh, we don't know. But just talk about the state of the Atlanta Hawks and kind of you covering that team and Trey Young. And, you know, obviously they lost to Boston in round one. People don't remember, they went down and smoked Miami in the play-in game. Right. I mean, before this playoff run even started, they went down and manhandled the Heat in the in the first play-in game. Just give a little, little, little review of the Hawks' season and kind of where they're going.
1: Well, it was a very uh, trying season, to say the least. Uh, we were 500-ball club uh, that achieved its stated goal of making the playoffs, but the way they did it was uh, as unconventional as you could get because we changed general managers halfway through the season, and then with 20 games to go, we changed coaches. And unheard of uh, in the NBA that a team would change coaches in a season that late that's still trying to make the playoffs. Right. Um, and so made it and made it. <laughs> yeah. And, and ended up going down and winning that game in Miami to earn the seventh seed, which is crazy and really played Boston fairly well after the yeah. first two. And I thought if, if we had played the first two games of that series, like we played the last two games of that series, right. we, it might've been a different outcome. We may have taken that thing to seven. So, uh, we were right there with them in game six, uh, at home, mm-hmm. uh, and then went cold the last five minutes in Boston and ended up winning the game. But My point is uh, Quinn is going to do a wonderful job. Quinn Snyder took over as our new coach and he's putting his staff together as we speak. And I thought, you know, it was a little tough spot to drop him into because he didn't know any of his coaches. He, he didn't know any of his players. And he coached the team like 24 hours after accepting the job, which is kind of crazy, but it did give him a chance to go through the wins, the losses, the locker room, the travel, and build relationships. So as they meet this summer, they can ask Quinn, well, what do you think? You've seen us now. Uh, You've been in that locker room. You've had them on the practice court. What about player A, B, C, D, E? I, I don't know that they've ultimately had those conversations yet. They're coming because the draft is right around the corner, but I, I just don't think they can run it back. Jason. I just don't. I, this is a kind of a 500 ball club, you know, the DeJounte Murray experiment, right? Lukewarm, I think at best, uh, both players, numbers, Trey and DeJounte, their numbers went down, uh, from the year before, of course, Murray was with San Antonio and both were, you know, had been all-stars, but it just didn't seem to click like they had hoped. Right. Not that anybody did anything wrong it's just you got two ball dominant guys on the court and neither can play the two guard position effectively so I think that has to be addressed Murray's in a contract year so right. that's a factor uh John Collins had a very disappointing season uh rebounded a bit late uh with the three ball but overall had his worst career year shooting the three is he going to be traded or right. is he not again these are the these are kind of the questions that they've got to decide Landry Fields, the new GM, and Kyle Corver or assistant GM, and Quinn, just got to put their heads together. And then if you do decide to make changes, well, who are you going to get? And is it better than what you have? And do you, you've kind of expanded, depleted your draft capital to get Murray. So that's kind of got to be in the back of your mind too. So I think they've got a lot of questions to answer. And as we say
0: in the TV business, stay tuned. <laughs> all right we listen to bob rathman play-by-play voice of the atlanta hawks for valley sports long time super successful broadcasting uh career throughout uh, different uh sports again sec acc major league baseball the nba for many many years worked with a lot of great analysts over the years D- dominique Grant Hill, Steve Smith, all those guys. Just talk about working with these different Hall of Fame kind of guys, these legendary figures, especially in the NBA, the Dominiques of the world, the Steve Smiths of the world. Just talk about the the dynamic of getting to know these guys on a day-to-day level, working, traveling, doing an NBA year with these different guys that you've worked with.
1: Well, what's unique about it is they all played for us, so I had a relationship with them prior to the broadcast booth. Um you know smitty was one of my favorite hawks when he was yeah. with us and of course i i broadcast games that Neek played in from his gotcha. high school days to college to the pros and now he sits next to me every night probably the most fun part about it is the stories uh that they tell um they've seen it all done it all yeah. in their careers they've been um on teams that have made well smitty was on a on a world championship team in san antonio and Nick in the glory days here in atlanta back in the 80s so the stories are fantastic and yeah. that i really do enjoy but i think working with them from a broadcasting standpoint is the challenge to draw out of them that knowledge right you know, okay you saw this happen before what what can you tell the fans is going through their minds because they've been there, they've done that. And I think that gives the fans a very unique perspective on the game, but it, it's so much fun to, to be with these guys and travel with them and hang out with them. And uh, it's, it's just, it's the run of the perks of the job,
0: if you will. Give the fans a perspective of a guy that kind of follows the same team for a year. I mean, you're with the Hawks virtually all year, all year long. Just give the the the, the fans a sense of the trap, the grind of the travel. I mean, you might be on a five game road trip from Sacramento to Portland to Minnesota in a seven or eight day period. Just the rigors of doing that on a day-to-day basis is, is the play-by-play guy. Well,
1: I, I will answer one of two ways. Is it a grind? Absolutely. Um, uh, you know, when you're based in the east and you're traveling west, uh, the time changes and the lack of sleep. Yeah, but let's get serious here. <laughs> I drive to the airport. I park in front of the uh, private aviation terminal. <laughs> I, there are two nice young men from Delta Airlines who open the trunk of my car, take my luggage out, put it on a, on a cart. I go park my car. I walk in. We have our security check and I walk 100 feet, 100 yards maybe okay, max depending on where they park the charter <laughs> uh to get to the steps to go to a first class seat on a 757 charter. <laughs> How this is tough I know. This is very very tough. And you ain't standing at the Days in either when you arrive wherever but you're when going. We land, when we land, we don't go through the terminal. We go down those steps and no. walk 30 feet to get on a bus that takes us to the hotel, which is five stars is a minimum as we travel around the league. Yep. I don't have to check in. There's an envelope waiting for me at a desk with my name on it. There's my room. I yep. got my key. And then I go up, and a few minutes later, another nice young bellman comes up to my room with my luggage. Guys, <laughs> that's not travel. That it's not. Yep. It's just not. Yeah. I mean, I do college games, I have to go to the airport and grind it just like any businessman or woman. And it's tough. And what we do is not travel. So I must say, yeah, it's a lot because we're gone so much, uh, from our homes and our families. Uh, you miss a lot of things to be sure. And I don't mean to discount that, but the way we travel is not difficult. And, and I don't want to give the appearance that it is now does getting home at two and three in the morning grind right. on you? Yeah, it does. But you know, that's also part of the deal. Right. Uh, we sign up for this. Um, those of us who have been doing it a while know how to navigate it. So it's not nearly as taxing as it uh, used to be in the old days, uh, particularly when we were flying commercial. But it's it's, Jason, come on, it's it's not that hard. Is there
0: is there a routine thing that you like to do when you do get in that mode when you are tired to kind of get you out of that mode? Whether it's I don't know. Well, you know, go for a swim or go play around a golf somewhere or something to get out of the
1: exercise. In for sure. But I, I think one of the big things is I know what I need to do to get ready for the broadcast. And there's so much downtime that you can get it done. Yeah. Uh, You know, rarely. um, Well, never really do we fly and play the same day unless there's some kind of travel emergency. Uh, So we've got the night in the city uh, to take it easy um, and do what you want to do. Go get a bite to eat or whatever, go to a movie or whatever, and and come back and grind. Uh, So that's that part of it. I've figured out over the years. The big thing is and i'm sure you deal with this too in, in your day-to-day is the information age is both a blessing and a curse right uh, it's a blessing because everything's at your fingertips it's a curse because you can't possibly go through it all and in the nba i i mean i'm sitting here looking at at the screen on my desk and i've got every,
0: every stat video, every kind every of stat of
1: video just from last night yeah so i've got at my fingertips, I've got everything that happened in pro basketball last night, from WNBA to NBA to Denver Pressers. to It's right there. Mm-hmm. And you can't possibly go through it all. So you learn how to pick and choose what you need. And, uh, you know, the clippings that come in and, the, you know, all the the wire stuff and all the online stuff, you just kind of have to weed
0: through to get what you need. How did Bob Rathman get into sports broadcasting a long time ago? How did, what was his, his desire as a kid or what, at whatever point in your life you realize this is what I'd like to do for a living. I was 12 years
1: old growing up in Salisbury, North Carolina. And I don't know what caused me to do it. I don't think my parents said anything, but one Sunday afternoon, I picked up the phone and I called our radio station in town and you know, it's a small town, Salisbury, North Carolina. We had two stations, and this one had more sports, so that's the one I listened to. And I called the station. There's one announcer on duty on a Sunday. And he answered the phone, and I introduced myself and told him I have enjoyed the sports. And he said, well, why don't you come on down? We'll give you a tour of the radio station. So my mom and dad took me down, and the second I walked in, I knew this is it. I love this. This is the greatest thing I've ever seen, and it became an every Sunday ritual where I would just go hang out at the station, and you know, twelve-year-old kids. So I did. I took out the garbage and you know cleared the wire for those of you who might know what that means, right? And uh, you know, filed records and, and did all the stuff. Get the announcer something to drink and stuff like that. Um, one day, the sportscaster of the station shows up to check the scores. They said, well, if you like sports and radio, come help us work on these baseball broadcasts. And we had a, an American Legion team in our town that to this day is still outstanding state championship team and the whole county formed the team. So all the five high schools are involved and uh, it just became the thing to do in the summertime. We didn't have minor league baseball anymore. And so we broadcast the games because the games were sold out and they played it ultimately the school where I went Catawba college and, I'm going keeping stats and get the guy a hot dog. And he says one night, are you ready to make your debut? <laughs> I said, well, I guess. And so I got the mic in the bottom of the seventh inning of this game. And these are high school kids, you know, playing summer ball, Legion ball. And our first baseman turned on one hit a home run and I got to call it. I don't remember what I said, but the announcer on uh, the play-by-play guy, got the mic back in the top of the eighth inning. And he said, ladies, and gentlemen, I have been waiting all season to call a home run. when <laughs> we hit one, I've got a 12 year old kid on the mic. And that announcer was Marty Brennan, the Hall of Fame voice of the Cincinnati Reds. That's uh, awesome. He's retired. And he was just starting his career uh, in Salisbury doing all the games. And I kept stats for him. And uh, that town, Jason, was the. Uh, home at the time of the national Sportscasters and sports association, where they honor the wow. uh, sports casters in every state and writers, no. national winners. And when I got to be 16, I got my driver's license and I was on the transportation committee, which meant drive to Charlotte airport and pick these guys up and bring them back. So I had all the greats in my backseat, seat, uh, not awesome. only casters, but writers. And, and, uh, they were so accommodating, uh, I told them all that this is what I wanted to do. And they shared and were great mentors through the years. And I wrote for the paper. I worked at the radio station. So I had a charmed life growing up and loved every second of it. And by the time I was a sophomore at Catawba, I was on the air full time and went to school full time, got a speech degree, and I have been doing it ever sense
0: that's a great story with Mar- Marty Brennan and American Legion baseball on a Sunday. That's great. Yeah. Rowan that is, County. <laughs> that's awesome. That's great. I'd one of the follow. nuggets I one of the nuggets I saw that was so cool too. Kind of hit my hit my heart because I was always a big fan of this you you and Lee Corso did the first arena bowl. Oh my back god back in yes. 1987 and yes. where I'm at here in Tampa the Tampa Bay Storm were a major player oh, yeah. at the arena league. Talk about the Arena League oh and just, you know, what a, what a great league that was for such a long time. Well, it wasn't in
1: 87, I can tell. <laughs> there was a guy named Jim Foster. I don't know if you know that name, but he was based in Iowa. And he had this crazy idea, you know, the old typical draw it up on a napkin. Yep. And thought he could pull it off and owned the entire league. Okay. there were, yep. In 87, there were five teams yep. in the first year and the league owned all five and they paid all the players and there were no, there was not an independent franchise. They had one, they had one carpet that they trucked from arena to arena. And so the schedule is all spread out you know, so they could get the turf right into the arena. So I got a call and said, how would you like to do arena football? I said, yeah, I'll give it a shot. And my producer was a gentleman named Will Belkey who was a sports producer for many, many years, and, and they got Lee to do the color. And so I'm investigating the league, thinking there'll be a media guide, a rule book, nothing. <laughs> and I when I say nothing, I mean nothing. They're writing the rule book by hand, practically. So I caught wind. Of uh, Do you know Mouse Davis?
0: Yes. The oh, yeah. Coach.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, Mouse yeah. is in charge of player personnel. So I call him. And I said, Mouse, what, what in the world is going on? I said, well, listen, we've got an ex- a preseason game to try all this out in Rockford, Illinois. Uh, why don't you come? And so Lee and Will and I go to Rockford because I, I called Will and I said, they got to pay for this, the flights and everything. I said, we have got to go. And yep. get a handle on this, and so we go to Rockford and we watch this scrimmage, and they're they're like tweaking the rules as they play. <laughs> we didn't broadcast that game; we just watched. We we're in the stands watching. So we get to uh, we get to Chicago to do the opening night. ESPN, remember now, this is 1987. They didn't have Major League Baseball. Yep, they didn't have the NFL. You know, they're still dependent on college basketball and Australian rules football and all that right. to get through, but still they had Sports Center and Sports Center ran at 11 o'clock, you know, come hell or high water. And we are on a Saturday night and they budgeted us from nine to 11 to play this game. Well, you figure, come on, two hours indoor football, three and a half wow. hours. A game goes to overtime. They are dying in Bristol. Get off the
0: air now. Get off
1: the air. <laughs> they are screaming at us. And I'm looking at Corso. And I said, this is the last game we will ever broadcast on ESPN. <laughs> like to fire our butts as soon as we get off the air. And it it's not your fault. No. But the game that they tried uh, for overtime, they tried Sort of an amalgamation between the NFL and college, where the other team would get the ball, you know, is really screwy, really yeah. screwy. Um, and even if they tied after each team touched it, you still went back and forth. It was, it was messed up. So we think we got it all covered, right? So the Denver Dynamite, Tim Markham. Yes. Right. So Timmy wins the game, and we get a mic on him at the end. And we say, Tim, you've won the first game in arena football history on ESPN. How does it, it feel? He said, well, Bob and Lee, I, I, I think Chicago gets the ball back. I, I'm not <laughs> sure The game's not finished. over. <laughs> this is our first game. Oh, but Corso had the best line. I don't know how he came by. It was fabulous. Now, this is the first game. Chicago, who the backup quarterback was Sean Payton. Wow. Okay. I think Mike Hohensey was the quarterback, and he throws this bomb and a bomb being 50 yards. Uh, and this guy, I don't remember the receiver, but he stretches out and makes one of those great catches. And you know, it's like playing on concrete. Yeah. And he makes the catch, and that's the first touchdown. And (laughs) course Corso says, ladies and gentlemen. That is the greatest catch in the history of arena football. (laughs) It's like the third play of the game. (laughs) That's great. It was something else. It was something else.
0: Give me, give me one or two events uh, that you'd love to cover that you've never covered.
1: Ooh, NFL. Okay. Uh, Preseason game would be fine. Um, you know, I mean, obviously you'd all, you, we'd all love to do, you know, an NBA finals game or a, you know, some world series or something like that. I always wanted to do a bowl game, a college okay. football bowl game, but I've never had the chance mainly, you know, conflicts. Right. Uh, with, with hoops. Um, I'd like to not broadcast, but I just like to go to the Kentucky Derby once. And I'd like to go to the Indianapolis 500 once.
0: Which, which is which is this weekend? I know. Yeah, I know. this this weekend. See the spectacle. Neat, neat. Because so, yeah, oh. we
1: go to Indy all the time. Right. You know, and uh, we've heard so much about it and met so many people. I remember meeting. We met Danica Patrick in a restaurant. I may have been St. Elmo's. I'm not sure. Yeah. But I remember I shook her hand. She about broke my hand. <laughs> when she was driving. Right. And I the oh. dog man the hands on this woman right. to control that race car I mean it was like huh artist <laughs> Gilmore's the basketball player has the hardest handshake in the history of humankind but I'm telling you old danica man she could shake a man's hand and about break your hand she was delightful too by the way um and then we go to Louisville all the time for college football and basketball right and so I go by Churchill Downs and I just one time, you know, and I, I used to do the SEC with Tim Couch. Yep. And I told Tim, I said, "Man, I just want to." he said, "You just tell me." But every year, you know, we're playing or we're in the playoffs, so.
0: But I'll make uh, it. Yeah, la- last couple minutes with Bob Rathman. You can go to BobRathman.com. He's got a great website. He is an author. He's got a uh, online Rathman round ball Report. I want you to give the audience a little a little sense of what what drove you to kind of write a book about. It's called Fast Forward Winner. Talk about yeah. the, the the what Oedipus of why you decided to write a book. Sure, well, you know I've
1: had so many young people ask me, "I want to do what you do. How do I get started?" And I said, "Well, you know what? Let me just put it in a book, uh, and it's more of a workbook than it is a a, a book book. Yeah, uh, where you just go through six steps to figure out what you're good at, what you can make money at, and what you love doing, and the intersection of all three uh, is." something you need to explore. Yeah. And it's nothing more Jason than my story, uh, how, how it happened for me with luck and timing and right place at right time. Uh, and I, I use that as sort of a textbook, if you will, when I go to speak to high schools and colleges and career days and stuff like that, just to give, give young people some structure as to how to do this, because there's, one thing we've lost in our country and I think across a lot of jobs is the role of the apprentice where you just don't step in and work sports center or do play by play and go to the super bowl. Right. You know, it takes years and years. And I remember Jack Buck, uh, Joe's dad, when he was in, uh, St. Louis doing the Cardinals and Joe said, I want to go do baseball too. And Jack said, great, go to Louisville and do the triple a games for 10 years and call me. <laughs> And and Joe went down and did Louisville. And it didn't take him 10 years. I, I was, was gonna say not really, quite
0: 10 years for but, Joe. <laughs> but, but, that,
1: but my point is I you know, know, right? The the old the old school way of doing it, you know, I spent eight years doing minor league baseball. Yep. Right, no problem with that. And it just be an apprentice, learn your craft, work on your trade. And and because then when you get there, you stay there.
0: No doubt, no doubt. Like I said, uh, Bob Bob does a ton of work in, in the Atlanta area. He's a fixture in the Atlanta market. And, again, it's been a real pleasure, Bob, talking to you about your your journey. Um, again, play-by-play, voice of the Atlanta Hawks, Bally Sports. Again, he's done it all from arena football with Lee Corso in Rockford, Illinois, <laughs> all the way to uh, the Sunday afternoon American Legion game at your favorite high school or college in your little town. So, been a real pleasure, Bob. I really appreciate the time. Enjoy your uh, the rest of your weekend, Memorial Day weekend. And we'll hopefully have a great NBA Finals and look forward to hearing you on the air next year for the Atlanta Hawks as well. Well, thank you, sir. I really
1: appreciate it. And uh, shout out to uh, to your audience. And if there are aspiring broadcasters uh, that are listening to this, by all means, reach out. Uh, just you can go through the website uh, at bobrathman.com. Reach out to them. They'd be happy to talk to you. Um, those mentors I talked about that I had when I was a kid,
0: uh, I want to pay it forward if I can, because they were so nice to me. You got it. Well, have a great weekend, Bob. I really appreciate it. And we will be, you Got it, buddy. yep. Thanks. And uh, appreciate you finding us on the powers on sports podcast. Have a great week, folks. Stay safe. If you haven't already done so, thanks somebody who served this country. It's Memorial day weekend for a lot of, a lot of, tough uh, tough weekend for a lot of people around the country to give us all the freedom that we that we love to have. So, have a great weekend and we'll see you next time on the Powers on Sports podcast. Thanks again for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight. Remember, you can reach out to us on Twitter at jpo sports. So, we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, suggestions for future episodes. And again, thanks for all the support remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode of the powers on sports podcast have a great week